The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org.
Oh, there's nothing 
I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family and friends. And if you were like a lot of families, you may have gone around the table and talked about the things that you're most thankful for, like family, friends, your warm home, maybe your jobs, to live in a, in a country where we can gather like this, various things that are easy for us to say, I'm thankful for. But you know, in a room this size, with this many people, it's obvious that there are things that are hard to say you're thankful for. I think Franklin read what I was going to do or something because all the songs we've sung this morning just fit perfectly with what I have to say as well as with what he's got to say. You know, there may be some things like a new diagnosis of cancer or a heart condition or something that's going to impair you. There may be some unexpected moves from somebody that is very close to you. Uh, it may be a loss of a job or a change, a divorce or a pending divorce or a divorce in somebody close to you. Or, or it may be that you've got children that are making choices that are not what you'd like to see. Those things are hard to say thank you for. So... Um, when, when those kinds of things happen, our first reaction is often, well, why? Well, actually, the answer is pretty simple. We live in a fallen world, and we are fallen people. And those kinds of things happen, and they happen all the time. So what do you do with those things that are hard? Are we just supposed to suck it up, buttercup, and put on a happy face? No. I don't think so. I want to show you a few things that the Bible has to say about giving thanks. In the Old Testament, we read things like, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name and make known his deeds among the people. Oh, oh give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Just like we just sang. Or I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. There are countless examples like that in the Old Testament. And there's a common theme among those. Focusing not on us, not on me, not on my circumstance. But instead focusing on God. On the one who is greater than my circumstance. The one who can change Bones into armies and graves into gardens. Verses that place us in a right perspective in relationship to God. And then in the New Testament, we see verses like Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's what we do when we gather like this. We're not just singing to the Lord. We're singing to each other, as Franklin said, encouraging one another, reminding each other of the faithfulness of our God. 
In 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18, we read what I kind of consider to be a good formula for a Christian life. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That last one is the one that I kind of want to focus on for a minute. You notice Paul says to give thanks in all circumstances. In other words, he doesn't suggest that you pretend that everything's rosy and that you should fake it till you make it. No, he's saying that what those other verses are saying, when you find yourself in these difficult places, take your focus off yourself and put your focus on who can do something about what's going on in your life. James says it like this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now that word joy does not mean jump up and down with happiness. No, instead it means a calmness that comes from trusting in the one that's greater than you are, knowing that he's still in control and facing the reality that you're not and never have been and never will be. And notice that James does not say that God causes these things like some weird mad scientist that's running experiments on you. No, as I said, these kinds of things happen because we live in this fallen world. However, James points out that if we will keep our eyes on the Lord in those hard times, he'll use them to mature us and make us more Christ-like. In Acts 16, we read where Paul and Silas are in prison, and at about midnight, they're singing hymns. Their focus was not on their circumstance. And in Acts 12, we read where Peter was chained in prison and was likely to be executed the next day. And he was sleeping so soundly that an angel had to kick him in the ribs to wake him up. That's calm trust. The ultimate example that comes to my mind of someone who is able to give thanks in a difficult situation is Jesus himself. We read in Luke 22, And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles were with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired or anxiously desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Knowing what was coming, and he was still eager for this time to come. And then it goes on, it says that he gave thanks for the bread and said, This is my broken body, which is broken for you. He gave thanks for the cup. This is my blood that is sacrificed for you. He knew good and well what was going to happen in just a very few hours. And yet he was able to say thank you for this opportunity to do for us what we commemorate around this table. And notice again uh, in Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 4, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. 
Notice again that little word in. We are in Christ. Jesus himself promised that he would never leave us or forsake us. And since we're in him, it's impossible for us to be separated from him. That's what we celebrate around the table as we take the bread and the cup in remembrance of what he's provided for us. No matter what the things in our lives are, easy or hard, he is with us and he promises to walk with us through those things. So let us be thankful, not for the circumstances or the transient situations that we're in, but that he is eternal and that he will never leave us to tackle those things on our own. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for providing the way for us to be united with you through the blood of Christ, to be in him, to never be separated from him, to know that he will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you for your indwelling Holy Spirit that comforts and guides us into all righteousness. May our lives be nourished by this sacrifice and may we live lives that will bring glory to your name. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I obtained uh, permission from Bailey to use this photo today in my sermon. Okay, full disclosure, I obtained permission from Bailey to use all of the other photos for my sermon that you'll see today. I neglected to run this one by him, but I'm sure it's fine. It's fine. Don't tell him. We were in Alaska in the summer of 2010. Uh, We went there with our family, took our moms with us, rented a 32-foot RV, and traveled around Alaska for like a week and a half, two weeks, right? Um, How many times do you think I had driven an RV, much less a 32-foot RV, before that point? The answer would be zero, Michael. It is not 10. That's a good guess, though. The first time I ever drove an RV was when I was inside the parking lot trying to figure out how to navigate the dang thing. And I'm really stunned that they let me leave said parking lot on our trip behind the wheel. Well, Bailey had an amazing time. We all did. Beautiful mountains, scenery, landscapes, incredible. Photo ops everywhere. And every time we turned around, there was Bailey taking a picture. You see him there with his digital camera. Those are the things we had to use before the phones got so nice that we use our phones. He took so many pictures that trip that we started calling him National Geographic. That was his nickname. Bailey is still pretty much into photography today. And so for the landscape photos, he'll use something like this. It's kind of a standard zoom lens. You can zoom out kind of and get that big picture. But for shots like these, he grabs a different lens, the the 50 millimeter. The 50 millimeter is pretty awesome because you get that great blur in the background. And you can already see that Bailey's got an amazing eye, doesn't he? He sees things. Uh, most artists do. Um, we, we, we use the term artist for anybody that has kind of a, a creative flair, right? And so it's not just limited to uh, somebody with, with a brush or, or a canvas. It also uh, includes somebody with a camera. They're an artist behind the camera, an artist with a guitar, like you just heard Matteo play. 
We've got an artist with a power tool. I mean, have you seen some of the things that Alan Roberts is able to make? Simply incredible. Now, artists do something special. They, they see, see things that some people might miss. They, they delight in the details. An artist helps us slow down and appreciate what's in front of us. Now, this season is, is, is full of thankfulness, it's full of love, it's full of time with family as we turn our thoughts to, to Christmas and, 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 and the expectation, right? The advent of, of, of Christ's coming. Hope fills our hearts. But I don't want to get so busy that I miss what's important and it's really easy to get busy, right? Right? We've got Black Friday, Cyber Monday, whatever, Wednesday, something Thursday, right? If they can make money on it, chances are they're going to make a day for it. So it's really easy to get caught up in all of these things. But in the immortal words of Mr. Bueller, life moves pretty fast if you don't stop and look around once in a while. You can miss it. Truer words. We're never spoken. Welcome online on the radio. We are finishing up our Encourage sermon series. We'll be starting our, our Christmas sermon series uh, next week. And I love this quote from last week. Nothing can take the place of persistence, right? We talked about endurance in this, summer, or this sermon series. Uh, Don said these three words, don't give up many times. Keep going. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. How do we put courage into somebody else? How are we able to get courage put into us as we walk with the Lord? And persistence is important when we look at thankfulness, at gratitude. We pursue thankfulness in all circumstances. But for everything, it's asking a lot, I think. Today we're going to be in a passage in Ephesians, uh, chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. You would think that Scott would have looked at my sermon notes before he did his communion meditation. It's amazing that there's this, this thread running through the entire service about Thankfulness, And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. If you will turn in your Bibles there, it's up on the screen as well as we read as we begin this morning. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And then verse 19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here it says, giving thanks always and for everything. It says that. Did you know the Greek word here for give thanks is eucharisteo, eucharist. It's where we get the name for communion from Paul's letters. Now, Paul isn't saying that we should take communion all the time. That is awkward and and not able to be completed. But what Paul is saying is we must have a mindset that remembers God's faithfulness, right? 
We've all seen the altar with the communion. Do this in remembrance of me. We are reminded that God is faithful, that God sent his only son to die for our sins, to bridge that gap between us and our heavenly father. It's very important to remember God's faithfulness. I prayed for rain. And God sent me wind. I remember that quote, clear as day. It was in a passing conversation with my dear friend Rick Brumfield. How do you continue when everything changes around you? How do you how do you pivot? When things seem to fall apart. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm a creature of habit. You throw a wrench in the works and it's all over for me. I prayed for rain. He prayed for rain for his crops, for him to continue. And instead, God sent him wind, wind energy, a wind turbine to provide. We remember God's faithfulness. We keep going. We trust in God. Rick trusted in God with his whole heart. And we we understand this. Learning to give thanks in everything means learning to trust God completely. It's understanding that Jesus isn't my co-pilot. He's the driver, right? He's my pilot, We put ourselves in the wrong place. And so we're not in control. Scott said that already, right? We have some semblance of control, but we're not in control. We are not driving the bus. We are a spectator. And when we trust in the Lord to order our steps, we begin to understand thankfulness. I've been revisiting thankfulness for a few weeks now been sitting down in in, in this area, and specifically I've been struggling with the prepositions found in Ephesians 5, which we just read, for everything, and 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which Scott referenced, give thanks in all circumstances, for and in, for everything and in all. Give thanks in all circumstances, right? And an attitude of gratitude. We're, we're choosing thankful. We're, we're choosing to find something to be thankful for despite our circumstances. We're choosing to, to see that God is at work. This is what that means. Now, giving thanks is easy when things are going good, right? We've all got that one friend, that one acquaintance, you know, we, we, we see them in the Walmart parking lot. The Walmart parking lot is where all the Portalis peeps go to hang out, right? And so we're passing back and forth, and we've all got that one guy. How are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. Man, I am blessed. Man, I'm blessed. Now, if you say, I am blessed, you keep saying that, because you are, right? Blessed, give thanks with a cancer diagnosis. Give thanks when there's not enough money to pay the bills. Give thanks 
in the loss of a loved one? How do we do that? Are we really supposed to be thankful for everything? What if we aren't too blessed to be stressed? What if that's not our station in life today? What if you walked in here and you don't want a lesson so much as you want an answer? You've got a lot of questions for God. You feel like he's let you down. You feel like he hasn't fulfilled his end of the bargain. And and so you're asking these difficult questions. You're saying, why do bad things happen? These are the questions that I am asking in my heart, in my head. Why do bad things happen to good people? And the second, why do some prayers get answered and others don't? And I want to tell you today that the Lord is not afraid of your questions, of your doubts, or your fears. In fact, I believe that those questions are the ones that get us closer to Christ. That when we open up the Word of God, when we are moved by the Spirit, that that Word becomes rhema, alive, to our hearts, and we we see things in a different way. It's okay to ask difficult questions of the Lord. It's okay to, to, to have fears and to have doubts about your faith. What's not okay is just to live with them and do nothing about it. We get into Scripture. We read. We ask God to reveal Himself to us. This is the process that every Christian must go through. And so I did. And I leaned in and I searched for more insight. I checked about 10 different commentaries. And every single one of them failed to mention for everything. None of them. Glossed over it. How come something so significant in my heart was completely glossed over by every other person? Was I the only one with this question? Why did Paul say for everything. In my study, I found more grammar stuff. Yay! (laughs) Commands and participles. And I know as a pastor, I'm supposed to understand Greek and speak it fluent. I don't even know if you speak Greek. I don't know. Anyway. So I'm trying to understand commands and participles in the Greek. And, and a command is an imperative, right? It means something you should do. Like this is not an invitation or a request. This is something that should be happening, right? And so the command and the imperative is not necessarily give thanks in this passage. The command or the imperative is actually found in verse 18. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And this is the command. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That's the command. Be filled with the Spirit. And it keeps going. This is present tense, right? Present tense means it's ongoing. It's reoccurring. This is a consistent and constant refilling of the Spirit in our lives. Now, this is not something that we do on our own. This is something that we open ourselves up to. God is drawing near to us because we are open to His work in our lives. Now, you're saying, how do I do that? I'm saying, thank you so much for asking that question. 
Because the participles point back to the command. The participles say, these things will encourage our hearts to draw near to God. Speak to one another with psalms, encouragement, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father. And I found something else along the way. You see in my head, uh, 1 Thessalonians and Ephesians were two verses that were at odds with each other. They were incompatible. They were doing this, which was causing friction in my heart because I couldn't, I couldn't rectify the two. And then through study, I realized that 1 Thessalonians was not the parallel passage for the Ephesians passage. They're not the same idea. This one is. Colossians 3.17 is the parallel passage to Ephesians 5.19-20. And this says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Hmm. And when I put Colossians and Ephesians... And 1 Thessalonians together, I began to get a more complete picture of what it looks like to be thankful. And I asked the questions again, why do bad things happen? Scott said it earlier, Jesus is Lord of all, but we live in a fallen world. This world is broken, it's busted. It'll never be complete until the new heaven and the new earth, till Jesus comes back. Now we are on our way. We are being made new each and every day. But we're not quite there yet. Why do some prayers get answered and others don't? All prayers get answered. They might not just get answered the way you want them to be. Now, those are simple answers to complex questions. And if you are hurting, and, and you're in that, that place of despair, then those simple answers offer little solace to you. But I want to share what will offer solace to you today. What will fill your heart with hope and joy and thankfulness. And that is Christ. You see, I, I'm not I'm still processing all of this. I'm still trying to, to figure it all out. But what I'm not gonna do is give up. I'm gonna keep searching. I'm gonna keep praying. I'm gonna keep asking the Lord to reveal his heart to me. I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other because a thankful heart is a faithful heart, right? When I'm thankful for the things that I have, then I become more and more faithful because I know God is there for me. 
One of the songs that just leaves me in a puddle on the floor. Bless the broken road. I am thankful for the broken road that led me to my beautiful wife, Marie. I, I, I am thankful for the opportunity to see my dad finish well, lying in a hospital bed. I am thankful to see the testimony of somebody who attended Narcotics Anonymous in AA for 30 plus years. See, a church filled with people from every walk of life saying, Rick's the reason I'm alive. How many times did I hear that that day? A thankful heart is a faithful heart. When we're thankful for for what we have, when we're thankful for God's faithfulness, and in turn draws us nearer to Him. So, what does thankful look like? I have two lenses in my camera bag. Uh, A standard zoom lens. This one right here. And uh, the 50 millimeter. Clayton Malden called this the Nifty 50. I love that name. The Nifty 50, right? Now, I do a lot of graphic design here at the church. I edit video. Um, I write music a little bit. I, I do photos, but I don't do photos like Bailey does photos. In fact, with, with the exception of that first one that you saw, the, the, the technology wasn't there yet for something like that, right? With the, with the exception of that one, all the rest of the photos in this sermon slides are Bailey's. He took them all. And Bailey's got an amazing eye. And I love the Nifty 50. That's my go-to, right? It's a fixed focal length. It's a fixed focal length. So what that means is I can't zoom out. I can't zoom in. I shoot what I see. That's all I get, right? And you see this beautiful little girl celebrating Christmas. This is not a shameless plug for his Christmas mini shoots. But there is a blur in the background, right? And that blur is called a bokeh, B-O-K-E-H. And that's achieved with the depth of field that comes from, you guessed it, the Nifty 50, right? So the Nifty 50 lens, you shoot what you see. And I size up my picture. I get my shot ready. And I take that pick. And now I'm not talking about photography anymore. And I take that picture of my circumstances. It's all I can see. It's all in front of me. It's, it's difficult. It's messy. I don't see any way out. And so that's all I see. I take the pick. I shoot what I see. Or, or maybe I, I take a pick of my insecurities, right? There are so many things wrong with me. I'm, I'm so broken. These mistakes that I've made will stick with me for the rest of my life. And so I take a picture of those insecurities and I can't see anything else. I shoot what I see. Or maybe, just maybe, I, I take a picture of my past. You see, I've lived there for so long, I don't know how to move forward. I remember when things were good and now they're Horrible, dumpster fire. I remember things that were bad and see, how in the world do I move on from that? How do I keep going? What do I do? 
think in my life I use this lens, the 50 millimeter, when God is telling me to use this one. He's telling me to zoom out. He's telling me to see the bigger picture. Because right now, all you're focused on is your insecurities. And what you don't realize is that He is using those weaknesses to make strengths in you. To build you back better in Him. That all those things that went on before, He's using to restore and redeem. That's what the Lord does. He takes our broken pieces and He restores and He redeems. And maybe you're saying, my past, I'm focused on my past. I don't have anything to offer. I don't know how to keep going. And the Lord is saying, your life may have been a dumpster fire, but I took you out of the dumpster And I put out the fire. And you don't live there anymore. So stop trying to go back and visit. (laughs) Zoom out and see the big picture. And maybe you're focused on your circumstances. And man, that's the hardest one of all. Because when you're in something, you can't see anything else. Can I just encourage you? to zoom out just a little, to see all of those loved ones that are holding your arms up when you are too tired to stand, that you will zoom out to see how God is at work at the mess, how he is redeeming and restoring, how he is still making gardens out of our dead things out of our graves. God's got an amazing eye. He sees things that some people miss. He delights in the details. The artist, our Lord, helps us slow down and appreciate what's in front of us. And here's the kicker. I may be an artist. But I'm not the artist, I'm the canvas. We put ourselves in the wrong position. I'm not the artist. I'm the canvas. I'm the painting. And I and I'm still being worked on. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's masterpiece. And for some of you, you need to hear that right now. You are God's masterpiece. You are beautiful. You are loved. You are seen. And God isn't finished with you yet. Now, you would rather get rid of, maybe gloss over that part right there. Oh, that's a little... uh. And God is saying, no, those parts are where the beautiful shines through. And maybe you're saying that I'm the author of my story. I get to call the shots. And God is saying, you're not the author. I am. Sometimes we get confused and we think that the middle of our story is the end. It's not the end. You're still breathing. You're still going. Your story still being written by Father God, not by you. I'm not the artist. I'm the canvas. 
We zoom out to see the big picture. And you're saying, Franklin, life is hard. I get that. Life is hard. But God is good. Pastor Chen uh, spent 18 years in a prison work camp in China. Because he came uh, from money and opportunity, because he was a pastor, he was uh, made to be an example of, um, they wanted to indoctrinate him. They wanted to break his spirit. He was uh, separated from his wife and from his young church. His wife actually died in prison. Or his, his wife actually died while he was in prison. One of the hardest things for Pastor Chen was uh, no privacy. No privacy to read, uh, to pray, to study, to worship. He, he couldn't do any of those things. There was constant surveillance. Remember, he was being made... Uh, uh, of an example, and they were trying to crush him. And so his prayer then was a place of privacy where he could fellowship with the Lord. And if life wasn't hard enough, he received a new assignment. To break him, they gave him the most difficult assignment in the work camp, the camp cesspool. Now, the sewer pit served about 60,000 prisoners. That's a lot, right? And, and so his assignment was to go to the cesspool and to shovel out the human waste to be used as fertilizer. And his heart was broken. It was broken as he began. And so day after day, working in the foul pit, he wondered if his prayers were even heard, much less answered. And to withstand the hardship, he began to pray. And he began to sing. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. That was the hymn he sang. Over and over again. This was his new rhythm. He would get up. He would put on clothes. He would leave his prison cell. He would take his shovel. He would, he would, he would scoop out human waste. He would be covered in, in filth, this foul, foul odor. And he would sing. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Wouldn't you know it, because he worked in such a foul hole, 
the guards wouldn't go anywhere near him. <laughs> no one would. I mean, can you imagine how bad that guy smelled? He was all alone. No one anywhere around. And every day he would go down into that cesspool and he would pray out loud to, to as loud as his voice could, could muster. He would sing. He would, he, would, he would recite scripture. He would spend time with his Lord. And Pastor Chen realized that God had answered his prayer. You turn graves into gardens. You're the only one who can. As the team comes up, as we finish, the Lord is telling us to change our lens today. We've been using that nifty 50 for way too long. And we can't see the big picture. We're missing it. God is at work in the mess. He is redeeming our story. We've got to change our lens. God is amazing and he is good. Because while he's asking us to change our mindset, he's literally changing our situations. He's not making a grave look like a garden. He's changing a grave into a garden. He's not making beauty look like ashes. He's taking the ashes from our life and handing us beauty in Him. This is what's happening in our hearts. He makes all of the hurt and the pain and the despair count. It counts. It has purpose. One last thing in the passages we read. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when we come in the name of the Lord Jesus, we are coming on behalf of him. It means it's not what's in it for us. It's to bring him glory. And if we come in behalf of him, then that means there are certain things that we as Christians are called to do. We're called to bring light to dark places. We're called to bring life to dead places. We're called to be thankful because a thankful heart is a faithful heart. We, we go out into this world. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, changing the atmosphere around us, changing our lens and letting him work in our hearts. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.